and welcome to Cancer Casually. I'm your host, Lindsay DeLong, and I'm the managing editor of The Fullest. I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33 when my boyfriend found a lump and made me go get it checked out. A year and a half later, I'm now cured, healthy, and can kind of talk about it all without crying. Each week, I interview inspiring survivors who have come out on the other side of cancer or who are still battling it. We'll talk about our lives before, during, and after cancer and share what we've learned so that our listeners can look at their own lives through a new perspective, whatever that may be. Here's not just how to live with cancer, but how to be there for someone and how to cope as a co-survivor because it's not just a disease that affects you, it affects everyone around you. With this podcast, we hope to inspire others to grasp life no matter what comes at you and always live it to the fullest. Hi, today I'm here with Sarah Weinreb, who is a freelance writer, brand strategist, and the founder of a daily newsletter called The M-List. She was diagnosed with mycosis fungoides in March of 2017, and she's still working on getting into remission, but manages to stay positive while inspiring others to live a more holistic, sustainable, and mindful lifestyle. Hi. Hi. So you just taught me how to say <laughs> mycosis fungoides. Yes. Am I saying it right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> like, where did they come up with that I name? I have no idea. Apparently, it looks kind of like a fungus. Yeah. And so that's where the name comes from. Okay. So what is it? I don't know anything yeah. about it. Um, most people don't, and I didn't either. <laughs> um, it's a form of cutaneous T-cell lymphoma. So it's a lymphoma, but it's secluded only to my skin. So it basically appears as skin rashes. Okay. And so you just saw a rash on your skin and then was like, I should go get this checked out. And it turned out to be. I wish it was that easy. Okay. Um, <laughs> it took over two years and like six doctors to figure out what it was. The first doctor I went to. Yes. I mean, I saw this rash. It's a really not scary rash at all. It's just like red patches. Yeah. Um, it was itchy at times. And so I went to a dermatologist. The first doctor told me, well, it, you're probably allergic to your laundry detergent. Take some Claritin and you'll be fine. And never followed up with me. <laughs> um, and then I went to a series of allergists and dermatologists and nobody was very concerned. Into, and I wasn't that concerned either because nobody seemed concerned. And yeah. eventually I was like, this is weird that it's not going away. So yeah. I just kept pursuing it. And finally, thank God, I found my doctor who said, this looks kind of weird and did a biopsy of it and figured out that's what it was. Wow. Yeah. And so what, okay, so what happens to you if it doesn't get caught? Yeah. I mean, luckily, obviously it's a really slow growing type of cancer. I uh -huh. mean, I had it for at least two years, but I, I had rashes throughout college. So it may have been five or six years. I don't even know how long yeah. I had it for. Um, so there are different stages. I was diagnosed in stage 1A, which uh -huh. is obviously the best um, stage to be diagnosed at after two years. So it does grow pretty slowly. It can develop into thicker patches and then tumors. Also, the patches can, um, like, if they get, un if they're untreated, they could break and they could lead to a massive infection. Oh, so okay. that's a concern. Yeah. How common is it? It's about one in a million. <laughs> it's pretty infrequent. Yeah. And that's why most doctors didn't really think about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's not very common. You always wait to be told you're one in a million, but not in this situation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, is it like 
how do you get it? Is it hereditary? Do they know how you get they it? They don't really know. I mean, the what treats it and what often um, a lot of people do who have it is sun therapy or light therapy. Um, so, for example, my specialist said that he gave a lecture on this in Hawaii and nobody had ever heard of it because they get so much exposure to the sun. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It's not hereditary. Nobody my family has ever had it. So oh, yeah. at least not as far as we know. Yeah. And so what is your treatment plan? Yeah. So I started at the beginning with um, this UV light therapy. So it's basically like a tanning bed that you stand up in completely naked. Um, and it doesn't give you skin cancer. I know I would that be was my mom's first that. question. She's yeah. like, what about this? It's definitely possible. They've luckily technology has come pretty far that it's a pretty filtered UVB light that I mean, it's they and they incrementally kind of you scale up. So okay. they do a little bit at a time um, and and increase the, I guess, dosage or yeah. whatever it is. Does it make you get tan? Yes. Oh, OK. So people like all of last year were like, where did you go? And I was like <laughs> to my doctor's office. Um, yeah. So three times a week. And it definitely is. There is a chance of skin cancer, especially if you get burned from going to it, but hopefully... Do you wear sunscreen when you do it? No, you're no. not supposed to. Okay. You're actually not supposed to wear sunscreen most of the time because it's so good for you. I mean, if I go to the beach and I'm laying out for eight hours, I'll wear sunscreen. Yeah. But walking around, I don't because oh, wow. it's, the sun is really good for it. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So that's like completely opposite of, of <laughs> regular people because like I will get sunburned so bad if yeah. I'm in the sun well it doesn't necessarily prevent me from getting sunburned yeah. um but yeah I mean they don't recommend if you're going to be really easily sunburned to never wear sunscreen yeah but the sun does help it obviously the sun is not as filtered as this light treatment uh -huh. box yeah. that I go into but yeah so that was that was the treatment and then it went down to once a week um and some topical medications and steroids but I always say this disease is kind of like whack-a-mole. I mean, it's like goes away, comes back. We try this, we try that. I just took a three-month break from my treatments because I moved and I couldn't find a doctor who took my insurance. And now I have to start all over again at three times a week. Oh. Yeah. So it's really frustrating. So where'd you move from? Um, I was living in, in the suburbs in Westchester oh, for a okay, bit okay. and getting treatment up there yeah. and then moved into Brooklyn. Yeah. Wow. And so you have to start treatment all over. Yeah. Because because you kind of build your tolerance to it. If you haven't been going, they can't just start you at the same frequency yeah. as you were left off at. So you have to kind of build up to it. So yeah. my patches have come back. So now I have to start all over again, which kind of feels like a year and a half down the drain. Oh, but man. I mean, so you found out a year and a half ago. Yeah. And then are, are, are the rashes all over like your arms or legs or everywhere? They're on my trunk. So my, my stomach and chest and my back. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Huh. And, um, so what has changed for you since you found out about this diagnosis? Were you, I know you're a healthy eater mm -hmm. and were you already one or is that something that you changed because you... Yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in healthy living and healthy eating in college. I was very much part of the like low fat trend because that yeah. we thought was healthy back then. Um, so I've always been interested in it, but I think it really became quote unquote hardcore when I got my diagnosis and knowing that my disease is a chronic lifetime disease. It's just how can I put my body into the best position to always be as healthy as possible, keep my immune system up and 
all of that because most people, thank God, do not die from what I have. Yeah. But it can get worse and it can take over part of your life and the treatments are very timed. So the mo- to me, if I can optimize my health through nutrition, sleep, fitness, you know, adaptogens in my coffee or whatever, yeah. like I'm willing to try whatever if it's going to going to help me stay healthy. Yeah. So what is your um, main what do you focus on? Is it eating healthy or all of those things? Definitely eating healthy. To me, that's like the easiest thing because, well, it's not easy, but you have to eat every day. Um, so <laughs> it's an easy thing to kind of change. Um, I do try not to overly restrict myself to a point where like I can't enjoy something with friends or going out this weekend. My boyfriend took me to like this amazing restaurant for brunch and like I don't normally eat a lot of gluten, but they had an amazing bread and I ate it. Like, I think the stress of preventing yourself from doing that is actually way worse for you. Um, So that's the big one. But I also am like super curious and interested in the whole functional mushroom adaptogen herbalism type stuff. I think that to me, I find it really funny that it's called alternative medicine when it's like way more it's like the best. yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> and it's also like it came way before like somebody random was like here take this pill full of chemicals and that's normal but yeah. like this root came out of the ground and we think you're crazy for thinking it could be good for you so I'm always willing to try all those things yeah how'd you learn about them um I listen to a lot of podcasts okay <laughs> I read some books I think podcasts were some of the biggest things um And when, since I had to go to treatments three times a week for about, I think, three months in the beginning, I spent a lot of time, luckily my doctor was only 15, 20 minutes away, but you can get through, I listen to podcasts on one and a half speed. So you can get through an hour long (laughs) podcast in one drive in 40 minutes. So I would listen to all these health podcasts and it actually was great. Like, obviously it wasn't the ideal situation, but I was learning so much. So I figured if I was going to be in the car driving back and forth all the time, I might as well learn and and yeah. figure things out. And now I just read a lot of articles and yeah. try to keep up. What are some of the most interesting things you found out about all of that? Like adaptogens and... Yeah, I mean, there's so much research. I mean, I don't want to speak. I'm not an herbalist. I'm not a certified nutritionist. So I'm not an expert by any yeah. means. But there's a lot of research about like functional mushrooms, for example, there's been a lot of research that shows that they fight cancer. And even some of those mushrooms are in a lot of pharmaceuticals, which like is crazy because people think I'm crazy for taking them. And I'm like, you're probably taking them and whatever pill you're taking, you just don't know it. Um, So it's really interesting to see the way that they work and the way that they affect your body and the efficacy of them, which is sometimes even considered higher than pharmaceuticals. Um, and then I just think it's like fun and interesting. Like, I don't, I have no idea of taking this every day is really helping me. I, I can't, I see some people on Instagram being like, I instantly have energy when I take this one mushroom. And I'm like, I don't, but I figure like if I have chronic cancer and they say it helps my immune system, yeah, it's worth a try. And yeah. And where do you get these? Um, herb stores or online. And are they actually mushrooms? Um, so they are actually mushrooms, but you get them mostly in like ground up powder form. Oh, so I'll okay. just throw them into like a smoothie yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, like yeah. a tea or something like yeah. that. So it makes it easy. And now there's all these like really cool brands that are coming out with like adaptogen mixes and for all different things. So it's really cool to see yeah. that that's popping so up. So you too. pop them into your smoothie or tea yeah. or coffee. Yeah, I normally make a morning elixir and just throw everything in oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 
And so um, who, when you found out about this disease, were yeah. you devastated or were you just like, I can get through this or who helped you along and how did that affect you emotionally? Like yeah. finding out you have a chronic disease. I think it was, well, first of all, I mean, my diagnosis was super weird because my doctor went from thinking it was eczema to like the next week, literally calling me and being like, you have this thing, it's called this. I'll spell it for you because you're probably going to want to Google it and you have to see the specialist. And she did say the word lymphoma, but I don't think it really registered like, oh, I just got told I have cancer. And I was like sitting at this free, like this consulting job I had. And I was just like staring at the wall being like, what just happened? And I Googled it and I texted my boyfriend, my poor boyfriend. I was like, I think I just found out that I have cancer. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so I think it was mostly confusing. Psychologically, it was confusing. I I always like say that I feel like my disease physically, like people who have seasonal allergies sometimes suffer more than me. Like I'm so lucky that I haven't had to have surgery. Yeah. I don't have to go through chemo or radiation. Like I have friends who have been through all that and I can't even imagine. But psychologically, it's just the long term of like, will this go away? Will it affect my life? I made the mistake of like joining a Facebook group for people who have what I have. And that was the first week was not a good idea. Cause I think like two people died like that first week. And I was just like, Oh my God, they all said like, you don't die of this. And now I'm going to die. So like, and why, why did they die? I mean, who knows? They could have had 12 other health issues oh, and they could okay, have been diagnosed okay, okay. in stage four. And like I was stage one a and yes, or like, I'm sure there's a small percentage of people who do die. Yeah. Um, but mentally it was not helping me. So no. I think it was hard to kind of wrap my head around it. I found it really, I don't, I don't know if you feel this, you felt this way, but like, I found it really exhausting to tell other people. Uh -huh. Like I kind of felt somewhat responsible for their emotions. It was kind of this, like, I have something to tell you and it's kind of sounds scary, but it's not that scary. And, um, so I eventually, I just emailed, like I told my very close friends and then I just emailed like my other group of friends and was like, I know this is not the best thing to get via email, but like, I can't physically have another conversation yeah. about this. It was just too draining. So I think emotionally it was, it was tough, but it was, everybody was so positive about the prognosis that I wasn't like really scared. It was just like, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And did people just kind of rally around and help you? And did you have a great uh, like support yeah, team? Yeah. I mean, I was luckily living with my parents at the time. Um, and so they're incredibly supportive and my mom has had cancer twice. So what kind? she had cervical cancer. Whoa. Yeah. Um, she was diagnosed actually when my, my younger sister was born at delivery. They oh, biopsied wow. her, um, tumor. Yeah. So pretty crazy story. So. so do you get checked for other types of cancers? Yeah. I've, I mean, what she has, they claim is not hereditary, mm -hmm. but I mean, she's very insistent. I, get my pap smears as regularly as possible and yeah. all that. Um, but I just, I don't know. It's kind of one of those things that at this point, I feel like everybody knows people who have had cancer and luckily, um, I'm in this entrepreneur group and a couple people connected, um, with me that also had it. So I was able to connect in that way, but I did feel kind of alone in the sense that I didn't know anybody who had cancer that was my age Yeah. Um, before at least I connected with these people, except for one ex-boyfriend who was probably not the best person for me to reach out to. Um, so I think that that was hard. I was like Googling, like how to tell your friends you have cancer. <laughs> and there was just like nothing. I felt like for people in like their thirties, it was like everybody I knew who had had it was like in their fifties or sixties. Yeah. So I think that that part was hard, but everybody rallied. My boyfriend has been incredibly supportive. 
Um, but it's just weird as this like chronic thing because it's not like, you know, you fight it and everybody comes over and brings you food and then you move on. It's kind of like this thing that now I just deal with. And sometimes people remember to ask me about it and sometimes they don't. And that's cool too. Yeah. So it's kind of a weird. Do you think that's harder than just having, um, like if you, like, like me, I got breast cancer. I went through chemo, radiation, surgery, and then I'm done now. Would you, do you think that it's harder for you to know that you have something that's chronic or do you think that, that what, what, how do you yeah, feel about I, that? It's very weird. It's like both. Like mm -hmm. I would never, I mean, what you went through and sounds like it was probably incredibly hard and traumatic yeah. and painful. <laughs> and like, I'm so grateful that I don't have to go through that. Or at least now I don't have to go through that. Um, but at the same time, it's kind of like this mind game of like, will I eventually need to go through that? Yeah. I'm the type of person that's like a type A New Yorker that's just like, okay, let's get it done. And like yeah. that to me, like, I kind of felt like this was like a, you, the universe gives you what you need, which is like, this is a disease that requires patience. I've never been a patient person. Like I'm kind of just a get things over with person. So yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I also like, I just feel, sometimes I feel weird about even saying I have cancer because I don't go through all those things. And yeah. I, I feel like I don't want to say a cancer imposter, but it's like, I am physically pretty okay. Yeah. But it's, yeah, the mental part is, I think the hardest of not knowing if and when I'll go into remission and if and when it will come back and how that might affect me in the future. That yeah. part has been the more challenging piece. Yeah, exactly. So did you have the M list before, or is this something that you were inspired to do once you got yeah. So I was running, when I was diagnosed, I was running my own ethical fashion company called okay. MB. Um, I had been running it for, I guess at that point, a year and a half. And the endless was part of that. It was a weekly newsletter at that point where I curated articles about sustainable and holistic living. Uh, and then I stopped kind of doing a bunch of things when I was diagnosed to focus on my health. And I realized it was time that I move on from my business because it was just retail was not the industry I yeah. wanted to be in. Um, and eventually decided about maybe six or eight months later to restart the endless as a daily newsletter, uh, that gives tips on sustainable and holistic living and all of that really inspired by everything I had learned. I was already somewhat interested in it. And I think that my diagnosis just really like blew it, blew it up and helped me focus on that moving forward. Yeah. That's great that you're, um, you're sharing your knowledge with people to help them as well. Do Thank you, you. Yeah. find, um, do you, have you met other, um, how do you say it? Mycosis fungoid <laughs> survivors? I haven't. A couple people have contacted me on Instagram when I've like tagged that as a hashtag. Uh -huh. I don't know anybody. It's funny because they say it's really rare, but when I got diagnosed, there was a few people that were like, oh, my aunt had that. Oh, my da da da. I don't know anybody in person. I also think it's probably way misdiagnosed and underdiagnosed because uh. like of my situation, it's not a very like descript um, rash that it would be that clear. So I wonder how many people, and it doesn't progress that quickly. Yeah. And it's mostly appears in older people. So I wonder how many people just never even knew they had it. Wow. And yeah. So That's interesting. Yeah. Crazy. So then that's when people find out and then it gets, it's stage four. Right. And then, oh. Yeah. Because people don't know. I mean, it just, it literally looks like a red spot. I mean, it's not, 
mean, I, at stage four, I assume it looks a lot worse, but yeah. at least for me, it was nothing like gross or scary or concerning. It was just annoying and itchy. Yeah. So you recommend people to just um, check their selves and yeah I mean whenever I tell people about this they freak out because they're like oh my god I (laughs) have a red spot like (laughs) so it's not that common and I wouldn't get too freaked out about it but I guess my bigger advice would be just to follow your gut for some reason all these doctors told me that there is nothing wrong with me and it was really on and off over a course of two years probably from the first time I went to the doctor and she told me it was nothing I probably took a year off from worrying about it Mm -hmm. and then at some point I was like okay, if it's nothing, like, why is it still itchy? Like, it's still something. Like, I'd rather just get a name for it and know I have eczema and like, that's fine and move (laughs) on. Um, So I think following your gut and really like, if something seems off, I used to, I don't want to say I don't trust doctors because I do, but I used to kind of take what doctors said and just run with it and trust it. And now I really do a lot of research myself and I really get a lot of opinions and my specialist wanted to put me on a drug that I was like, this sounds way worse than it needs to be. And he said it quote unquote wreaks havoc on your immune system Ooh. to wake it up. And so it attacks my patches. And I was like, it doesn't seem like I'm at the point where like, I'm this desperate for something that's going to wreak havoc on my immune system. Yeah. So like I didn't take it. And some people might think that's crazy, but, um, right now it didn't seem necessary. And then if, you know, in six months or a year, I just can't get rid of this. And they feel like that's the most important last option, then I would consider that. But yeah, just experimenting didn't seem right, right for me. Yeah, it sounds like you're managing it well. And then this new um, light therapy at the new doctor's office. Yeah, yeah, I have to start going again. I just uh, found out last week that I have to start going again. Yeah. So well, cool. Thank you so yeah. much for talking with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was me. very interesting. I didn't know anything about that, but I didn't either a year and a half ago. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, thank you. Thank you. Yeah.